evening, everyone, and welcome to Fired Up, the hottest sports show in Central Ohio, the show where four sports fans talk sports for the fans. Our topics for this evening are UFC 284 down under in the outback of Australia, college basketball's pure pandemonium, previewing this week's biggest college hoops games, the NFL awards show is finally here, who will be leaving with some hardware, Chiefs versus Eagles, Hurts versus Mahomes, Super Bowl 57 live from Arizona. With that, I give you our assistant chief of our fire brigade, Colton Cow. Thanks, Matt. Uh, good to be here on a on a Thursday night. Uh, the chief chief is out this week, so it's just Matt and I here in the in the studio. So <clears throat> we're gonna fill you in on what's going on in the in the, in the sports world. And like Matt said, we're gonna kick it off with uh, UFC 284. You know, live uh, live from Australia here, um, and and. See, uh, yeah, different different side of the world. Uh, Matt, what do you what do you think about this this card or you know some of the matchups? Yeah, we got a couple of good matchups here. Uh, kicking it off with the lightweight championship uh, fight there with the champion Islam uh, Machachev. He's twenty three and one. He's got four KOs, eleven submissions, eight decisions. He's ten and zero in his last ten fights. But the guy he's coming to face is equally as hot as him. We got Alexander Volk- Volkanovsky. He's twenty five and one, twelve KOs, three submissions. T- uh, 10 decisions and 10 he's also 10 and 0 in his last 10 fights so you know this this thing's kind of anyone's guess on who's going to win it's kind of two different styles when you look at their records you know you got uh machachev who only has four ko's but 11 submissions so it seems like he likes to be a little more on the ground and mm-hmm. and, and take take his guy to the ground and try to get a submission where volkanowski he's got 12 ko's out of it it's almost half of his fights ends in a knockout only three submissions so mm-hmm. You know, you, you got a, you got a little uh, difference here in, in fighting style, and sometimes that makes for a great matchup. Sometimes <laughs> it makes for a boring matchup because somebody gets caught quick. So, right. You know, yeah. yeah. It, it'll be interesting to see what happens. I I, I tend to always favor the strikers. You mm-hmm. know, I, so I like I like Volkanovski's chances being a striker here with his mm-hmm. twelve KOs. You know, I look for it to be a fun fight, but I think Volkanovski might might take the win and become the new champion here. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. And. uh you know, actually, uh, Volkanovski is actually a, a champion. Uh, he's actually moving up in this one, so he's you know a weight class below um, <clears throat> below Islam here. So he's actually moving up to you know possibly take a title in in two different divisions. Um, so see if he can if he can pull that off. Obviously, going to be a, a a tall task. You know, easier said than done. Um, Islam Makachev enters this. You know, comes into this fight on a, an eleven fight win streak. Ironically, the only active UFC fighter currently that has a longer, you know, fight win streak, Alexander Volkanovsky <laughs> at, at 12, 12 fight win streak. So, um, Volkanovsky hasn't, hasn't lost in his last 22 fights. Um, the only fight, uh, that, that, you know, the last time he lost was back in 2013 and it was only his fourth, uh, UFC fight, you know, mm-hmm. fourth, fourth debut or, you know, fourth fight in the UFC as a, you know, an official UFC fighter. So, been a long time since uh you know Volkanovski's taken a taken a loss and you know even for Makachev been a long been a long while um but uh these two guys yeah are, are are some of the greatest pound for pound guys in the game right now and maybe of of all time I mean they come into this with a combined record of 37 and 2 uh only in 24 and, and 1 in the in the UFC um so it, it, it's going to be uh, like you said, I think it's going to be interesting because they are two contrasting styles. You know, Makachev more of the the wrestler, get you on the ground, you know, submit you type thing. Volkanovski is going to going to come at you with with that power. Um, one thing one thing I didn't know about um, about Alexander Volkanovski, he was actually a, a former rugby player. So mm-hmm. at one point, he was carrying around uh, almost two hundred and fifteen pounds on yeah. his on his frame. So this uh, isn't. 
big big for him to get a little bulkier right yeah so it uh you know it definitely you know has been there or has that you know has had that heavier weight so yeah this is this is nothing for for him so i think uh yeah it's just going to be you know going to be going to be interesting on this one um i think yeah definitely volkanovsky is going to have his going to have his hands full um and yeah it could could be you know make for an electric fight or right. yeah could be real boring in the sense that you know they're still trying to fill each other out and because right. you got those two contrasting styles it's like yeah trying to pick your opportunity or whatever uh to to you know come at your opponent but uh it's going to be going to be a good one um you know i i, I just think you know i think makachev is just gonna you know he there's probably nobody better been in the business at, at that submission um i, I just don't know that Volkanovsky's wrestling skills or grappling skills are going to be strong enough. I, I think this one has to stay upright for Volkanovsky to have, you know, a real, real chance. But if at any point it does go to the ground, it, it could be, you know, lights out quick. Yeah, lights out real quick for for Volkanovsky. But um, you know, there's a couple, couple other fights, you know, on the main card. There's another um, what we call an interim title fight in the in the featherweight uh, division. Uh, between uh, the number five ranked Josh Emmett at eighteen and two, versus the number two ranked uh, fighter in that division and Yair uh, Rodriguez at fifteen and three. So, I think I think uh, <clears throat> you know for me when I'm looking at this card, I mean there's a lot of guys with you know some pretty good records or you know decent records, but I I, I think the big one is is this you know Volkanovski Makachev. If I'm looking at the rest of them, it's like. Some of these guys, no offense, I, I've never even heard of. <laughs> right. um, but it's, uh, but, but I mean, you look at some of the records of some of these guys, though they they have good records. So right. I think it could make for a kind of a uh, maybe a, a a dark horse, you know, good card. You just, yeah, some of these fighters you haven't heard of so much, or you know, not not up there as far as notoriety goes, but still could make for an exciting card. Um, yeah. Just because, yeah, that those are the guys that you know sometimes. They're trying to make a name for themselves, so they're willing to put it all out there on the line and yeah. really, you know, show some of that personality or you know, really show what they what they got. So yeah, it could. I, I think these smaller weight classes really anything can anything can happen in those fights just right. because those guys are they're all kind of always just flying around. You know, right. they're 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 swinging fast, they're, mm -hmm. they're shooting fast, they're taking guys down, they're, right? They're getting submissions in, so you know reversals all that stuff you know it's it's like a good wrestling match when you're in high school and right. the smaller guys are always flipping around and mm -hmm. a lot of fun where the bigger guys are a little more predictable right so, yeah you know that that makes for a fun fight too when you got a couple of these lighter weight classes right going at it here. and things things can happen somewhat in a flash yeah. if you will you know because uh <clears throat> yeah with these guys being you know somewhat lighter weight it, it's yeah the fight may be boring for the first 30 seconds but in in the next 30 seconds or even the next 10 seconds it's, it's like yeah activity. boom 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 you know they hit you with you know a couple jabs or whatever and before you know it you're on the ground you know passed out or whatever but yeah so it should be should be uh you know could be could be pretty interesting definitely you know obviously the big one is is the title fight is the volkanovsky makachev fight but i think that low-key the this you know this card could be could be good because of some of these guys that you know maybe not well heard of you know trying to make a name for themselves in this one and and then you know really make up for an exciting exciting card so um and yeah like we said over over in australia uh down under there in, in australia um you know ufc has has held various events at, you know in australia obviously probably one of the first ones they've been to since you know all the covid stuff or whatever so uh it's, it's good to see you know the ufc moving moving around here you know 
trying to get away from, you know, all the, the COVID stuff or whatever and, and you know, going outside of, of the U.S., going outside of Vegas and whatnot um, and, and, and getting inside some of these other countries and kind of try, more than likely trying to expand their their global right. market and really get, you know, their their buy-in from, you know, from a global standpoint. Well, that's nice for all these fighters, too, who come from all over the world to, you know, get, get a chance to be back closer to home. And right, yeah, absolutely. Fights. Yep, absolutely. Well, if that's it for, for UFC, then we are going to move over to the hardwood. Uh, we're going to talk a little bit of college basketball. Um, you know, regular season, we're, we're, we're winding down here, but there's about about a month or so left in the in the regular season. It's hard to believe it's almost almost that favorite time of the year in, in March Madness. So, but we got a handful of games still left on the on the slate. So we got five of them um, for for set this upcoming Saturday that we picked out that Matt and I are gonna gonna try to give you a little bit of insight into and give us you know give you our best predictions on who we think might might pull it out. But uh, like we said at the beginning, college basketball this year has been Crazy. pure madness. I mean, it, 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 it all the top teams or you know the top twenty five. If you ain't got you know four or five losses, you know it's it's you know I think you're doing okay if you're right. you know sitting sitting there because there's teams with seven, eight, nine losses that are somehow in the top ten or you know top fifteen or whatever. So it's uh yeah definitely a a, a crazy basketball season and more than likely going to make for even crazier March. March but yeah. uh, we'll start with the with the first game um, that is <clears throat> an SEC battle between uh, number three Alabama versus uh auburn coming into this one a, a two o'clock game over on espn uh gonna be happening saturday uh auburn's got the got the home court advantage in in this one matt what what, what do you think about this matchup yeah i mean this is a co- college uh, rivalry in football and I'm, I'm sure they they take it over to the hardwood as well you know when you got alabama auburn facing off in the interstate rivalry there but you know alabama's better in most all statistical categories in this game alabama's scoring 83.7 points per game auburn's only scoring 72.3 I think Auburn being at home and being a rivalry game, they're going to be able to keep this thing close, but I think Mm -hmm. Alabama's offense is just going to be too much. Uh, Watch for Brandon Miller, the forward from Alabama, to have a big game. Mm -hmm. He's averaging 19 points per game. He's shooting 45.7% from the field. Mm -hmm. He's a great player. Great players show up big in big-time games, rivalry games. So I look for him to have a big contest. Yeah, absolutely. I think, uh, you know, Brandon, not only, you know, in the running for for SEC player of the year, but also on the list, you know, to to pass possibly win, you know, national player of the year. So yeah, definitely, you know, big time, big time guy that they rely on there for for Alabama. For for me, I, I like Alabama to come out on top on this one. I just think they're the hotter team right now. Auburn comes into this game limping in. They're one and four in their last five games. Alabama on the flip side is is four and one in their in their last five. They're averaging in SEC play almost 84 points a game and only allowing 62 points a game where, you know, it's a little bit more balanced or, you know, together with, with Auburn. They're, they're averaging about 70 points a game in SEC play and giving up about 65. So they're, you know, not, not really excelling at either one of, you know, defense or offense or, you know, doing just enough to get by and, and, and whatnot. But yeah, I just think that they're kind of trending, trending in the wrong direction, Alabama, Super hot coming into this one. I think they they continue. Um, I I believe Alabama is undefeated in SEC play, so I think they're gonna gonna continue that streak. Um, they're hot hot shooting from from the three point line. I think Alabama gets a win here, but I think it'll be closer um, closer than what you think, just because of that rivalry aspect. Alabama is on the road. Obviously, it, it's been tough for teams going on the road. It seems like in college basketball this year. So I like. But I like Alabama to come out on top in a, in a close, uh, tight knit battle. So, Absolutely. 
All right. Well, moving over then to the to the Big East, uh, we got a Big East battle between uh, <clears throat> number twenty one UConn versus number twenty three Creighton. Um, another two o'clock game over on uh, over on Fox. Uh, Creighton's going to have the uh, advantage here uh, with the home court advantage playing at home. Uh, these two teams actually faced off against each other uh, back in back in January, and UConn came out on top, uh, sixty nine to sixty in this one. And man, this I, I think this one's going to be going to be exciting one. Mm-hmm. Both both these teams come in red hot. Creighton's five and zero in their last five games. UConn's four and one in their in their last five games. You look at the numbers. I mean, they score about the same amount of points. Creighton though is slightly better on the on the defensive side of the defensive side of the ball. Um, if Creighton wants to have a chance in this one. They gotta box out. They gotta they gotta box out the Yukon Huskies. They average almost 13 offensive rebounds a game, which is good for first in the Big East. Um, but then they also, you know, the Yukon plays well on the on the defensive side. They're they're averaging almost five blocks a game as well. So do a lot of the dirty work and do a lot of it very well. But, you know, Creighton has a big man by the name of Ryan Kalkbrenner, who's the center, averaging 15 points and 2.4 blocks a game. So the big man there in the middle. Keep him in the game. Keep him healthy. Keep him out of foul trouble. I like I like Creighton to pull off the upset here at home. Uh, I mean, they take down take down UConn, get their revenge um, for that for that January game. Yeah, I, I agree 100. This game is going to be a tough one to call. Both these teams statistically are very close, but you know Creighton turns the ball over slightly less, a couple times less per game. They <laughs> shoot a little bit better from the field. So you know, I, I think in a close game, those extra possessions are are what really matter, and I I think that that plays in Creighton's favor here a little bit. I, I'm taking Creighton with a close win. And I, I think, like you said, big man Ryan Kalkbrenner is going to be a, a, a big deal favor, in yeah. what makes a difference in this game. Yeah, absolutely, because UConn's got a, got a big man of their own in, in Adama Sanogo, who's lead, leading the team in, in points per game and, and rebounds per game. So going to be a battle between the big men of, you know, who can take advantage or, you know, I think at this point, a lot of times is who can keep their big man in the game without right. getting into foul trouble. So I think that's going to be a, a major key in this one, but I like Creighton to, to get it done. So, all right, moving over to the big, big 12. Uh, we got a big 12 battle between number 14 Baylor against number 17 TCU. Uh, nearly identical records coming into this, but uh, you know, TCU is going to have the luxury of playing, playing at home. Uh, I expect this one to be another tight battle. They, like I said, they, uh, faced off against each other back in January, beginning of the beginning of the year, TCU came out on top by a one point margin, one eighty-eight to 87. So a lot of points scored in that game. A lot of fireworks. Uh, Matt, what, what do you think in this one? Yeah. I mean, you said a lot there already and I'm going with Baylor and the up, or I guess not the upset. They're the higher ranked team here, but you know, they shoot slightly better from the three throw line. They're better from beyond the arc. They're scoring three more points per game than TCU. So I, I think I like Baylor to win a close one here because they're, they're shooting and their free throw shooting is going to be the big difference. You know, that that's those extra points down the stretch. You mm-hmm. miss one, they make one. And right. all of a sudden that's, that's the game. Right. So, yeah. Absolutely. You know, a guy to watch here is a guard, a Keontae George yep. uh, scoring 17 and a half points per game. Mm-hmm. TCU's also got a very good guard in Mike miles. Uh, mm-hmm. Give him some competition. He's scoring 18.1 point. points per game. So these two are going to battle back and forth. It's going to make for an exciting matchup. Yeah, absolutely. You hit it there. Those are the two guys I had had circled on my, on my list as well. So yeah, going to be an interesting guard battle to see, you know, see, it'll be interesting to see if they, they match up against each other and they guard each other at the same time too, uh, to see who can take advantage of, you know, each other on the, on the defensive side as well. But, you know, a thing that, that stands, you know, stands out to me from Baylor, you know, you talked about the free throw shooting, 
Keontae George, he's shooting about 81% from the free throw line. So that's what you'd like to see from a from a guard. I mean, that's obviously going to be the guy that's going to be in the game in those late situations right. that could be going to the free throw line to, you know, basically ice the game. Um, <clears throat> but uh, I think the difference in this one for me, I think I, li- I like Baylor to, to take it. Um, but, of course, Baylor's going to have to take care of the ball. Um, TCU leads the Big 12 in steals per game at a little over nine steals a game. So they're going to really have to, you know, limit their turnovers, really take advantage of that. Um, on the flip side, Baylor Baylor uh, averages almost 11 offensive rebounds a game too. So if they can limit their turnovers, get some second-chance opportunities, I think that they can, you know, win a close one on the road against, uh, you know, against – TCU again I think it's going to be another close close battle kind of like the first the first matchup was you know Baylor is coming in red hot four and one in their last five but TCU's two and three in their last five but there's no better way to get out of a funk than playing at home so you know I I think it's yeah it's going to be a tight battle but I like the Baylor Bears to come out on top in this one and uh, you know continue continue their hot streak All right. Well, moving over then to the other games, uh, a couple other games on the slate. We got an ACC battle uh, between, which is crazy to say, unranked Duke versus number eight Virginia. Uh, it's a four o'clock game over on ESPN. Um, Virginia going to be playing at, at, at home on their home court. Um, Duke coming into this one three and two in their last five games. Virginia four and one in their last five. And if I'm looking at this game, I'm saying the first one to. 60 points or maybe the winner in this one. Uh, Both, both teams play really well on the defensive side of the ball. I mean, Virginia has been, you know, the last several years since Tony Bennett took over for, for Virginia has been known as the team that, you know, suffocates you, makes you have to, you know, earn every bucket that you, that you have. Um, There have been times where that Virginia team does have, you know, some offense to go along with that, but, you know, this, this Virginia team is, is one of those ones that, you know, is playing suffocating defense, giving up an ACC play just a little over 62 points a game. Uh, we're on the other side, you know, Duke's giving up a little over 68 uh, points a game. So I think it's going to be, yeah, a defensive battle. Um, <clears throat> be interesting to see. Obviously, Duke has the, I, I believe, has the size advantage. They have three different guys that are over seven foot tall. Mm-hmm. It just is a matter of can they take advantage of that. It, it, it seems like the games I've watched, you know, myself being a, a a Duke diehard, they just go through long stretches where they just don't score. They don't. Right. They don't. They don't put the ball in the hole. I think it, at times it's been this year where they just don't have that guy that they know they can go to to get a guaranteed bucket. Mm-hmm. Where in years past, it's been like. You know who's getting the ball, you know, when it when it's, you know, coming down to that crunch, crunch time. And they've had some issues with injuries and, you know, lineups and, you know, what obviously they always are going to have somewhat of a new team every year. And so that chemistry is not always going to be there. Um, but I, I like Virginia to continue to win to to win this to win this matchup. Duke has struggled on the road. Uh, I think every loss that they have in ACC play has been on the road. They are obviously on another, you know, another road in a tough environment and you know, in uh, Charlottesville, I like Virginia to, to get it done. Uh, I think it will be a close game just because of how Virginia plays, you know, their style of basically limiting your points. I think it will be a close battle just because Virginia doesn't score the ball very well right. either. But I think at the end of the day, Virginia, you know, gets enough stops, gets some clutch stops. They, they come out with a victory and, and, and stay atop kind of the ACC race there. Yeah, well, it's going to be my first not-so-fast, my right, friend. Right. I'm going to go with Duke with the upset. Right. They're outscoring Virginia by two points per game on the season. 
And their biggest advantage here is in the paint. They out-rebound Virginia 36.5 rebounds to 29.7. Okay. So, you know, that those are extra possessions. Like mm-hmm. you said, you think this will be a tight game, and, and yeah. that, that can definitely prove to be the difference here. Right. Right. player for me to watch is Kyle Filipowski. Mm-hmm. He's scoring 15.5 points per game, but like I just talked about in the out-rebounding edge, averaging 9.3 rebounds per game. Yeah. So he, he's almost a double-double machine mm-hmm. waiting to happen. So. Yeah. No, I, I think I like Duke here to get the upset. All right. Well, we'll see. I'm, I'm hoping you're right, Matt. <laughs> <clears throat> well, the last last game on the slate, back over to the SEC, we got uh, Missouri coming in, um, going up against number six, Tennessee. Uh, it's a six o'clock game over on the SEC network. Uh, Tennessee going to be playing at home. Uh, both these teams somewhat red hot coming into it. Uh, Tennessee did take a take an L last night on a last second uh, three-point buzzer beater, so a little bit of sour taste in their mouth, but again, no better way, no better way to get over that than to be playing at home. Right. You want to talk about suffocating defense, Tennessee volunteers in SEC play only giving up 55 points Mm -hmm. a game. I mean, that's crazy to me Uh, where you look at Missouri, they're giving up 76.2 points per game in in, an SEC play. They're actually giving up more points than they average scoring. So you know, Missouri is definitely going to have to, uh, you know, <clears throat> figure out defensive side of the ball. It, it's going to be, yeah, who gets the better of what matchup? Because Tennessee, they they score, but they don't score great. You know, mm-hmm. they, Missouri obviously I think has the advantage when it comes to the offensive side of the ball. Um, but Tennessee, when it comes to defense, is, you know, suffocating is, is right. you know, the better matchup there. So it's, it's going to be which contrasting style gets the better of the two. I mean, in my opinion – because they're playing at home, tough environment with Tennessee there, trying to get over that hump. I mean, they limit their opponents. Their opponents only shoot 23% from the three-point line. So they're limit your opportunity. You're going to have to earn every bucket that you get. Um, and at the same time, you know, Tennessee, they share the ball. They, they're averaging almost 16 assists per game. They they have they don't really have a guy that – they have one guy that averages, you know, 12 points a game. Um, but outside of that, they have a lot of guys that just, you know, score – you know, a few buckets here and there. So they really do share the ball quite a bit. I I like Tennessee playing at home. That suffocating defense, I think, continues. Missouri has not been great, you know, on the, on the road. And, and uh, I I like the the Tennessee volunteers to, you know, right the ship and get a big win here on Saturday. Yeah, I agree with a lot of what you said. Like uh, Tennessee, they do play great defense, but you also said they don't score a ton either. Mm -hmm. That's where Mizzou excels. They're (laughs) outscoring uh, Tennessee by 10 points per game this year. Mm So, you know, if Tennessee holds them down 10 points and then this is a tie game. Right, you know? right, yeah. So, I mean, Tennessee's got a lot – have to make a lot of stops to really get that edge. And, right, and yeah, get there. yeah. So, you know, I, I like Mizzou to get the upset. Okay. They, they shoot better from everywhere on the court. They're mm-hmm. a better shooting team than yep. Tennessee. Yep. So, even with that stifling defense, that's a lot to overcome. Mm-hmm. I, I think Mizzou's offense is going to pull the upset here. Yep. I'm just going to say watch for Kobe Brown yep. from Mizzou in this one. He's scoring 16.3 points per game. And he's got 6.1 rebounds per game, so yeah. he's a star in the making out there. Yeah, absolutely, and uh, yeah, so we'll see, we'll see what happens here. But uh, yeah, some exciting college basketball on on Saturday. Like I said, all those all those games are are Saturday spread throughout the day. So tune in, you know, a little bit of a, a tune up before you know the big game on on Sunday. So uh, take advantage of it and check out some of those games. You know, I know Matt and I both will be so. All right. Well, we're going to take a uh, quick uh, commercial break. We'll be back here shortly, and we'll talk a little NFL talk after we're back from commercial. 
This podcast is sponsored by Podbean. Podbean is the easiest way to create your own podcast. We use Podbean to host Fired Up. Download the free Podbean podcast app to start, record, and publish your very own podcast in minutes. Podbean provides everything you need to run your podcast, and you can record and publish episodes directly from the app on your phone. Download the free Podbean app today. That's P-O-D-B-E-A-N. Head on over to Podbean at www.podbean.com and use the code PODCAST21 for your first 30 days of podcast hosting for free. Check it out. All right, and we're back. Thanks for sticking with us here. Uh, we're, like I said, we're going to talk a little bit of NFL before we talk the big game on, on Sunday. We got a couple of uh, you know end-of-season awards to to hand out or potentially hand out the way we we would vote it. Um, so yeah, as as you know, the uh, NFL honors, as they call it, is is actually happening. I think right now, or you know, at this at this moment, uh, where they'll be handing out you know various awards for you know MVP, you know, Coach of the Year, whatever. So they narrowed narrowed down the list of you know some of the finalists for each of the reward uh, awards. So it made it a little bit easier for for the voters on this one. Um, so we'll just kind of, you know, run through the list of, of the various, you know, categories and just kind of give our picks for who we think should be taking home, taking home the hardware. But uh, obviously, you know, we, we're not the ones that actually vote, but right. we'll, we'll see if how our how our picks match up with, you know, how the actual voters pick. So, Matt, we'll, we'll start with the uh, with the MVP award. Who do, who do you think um, we got? Obviously, Patrick Mahomes, the QB from Kansas City, Josh Allen, the QB from Buffalo, uh, Joe Burrow, the QB from Cincinnati. Uh, Jalen Hurts, the QB from Philadelphia, and the only non-QB in the in the category, Justin Jefferson, the wide receiver from Minnesota. Matt, what what, what do you what do you think? Yeah, I, I think this one down the stretch got a lot easier than mm-hmm. it, it was kind of mid-season mm-hmm. after Jalen Hurts got injured. Mm-hmm. I think it became Patrick Mahomes' race to lose, yep. and I, I think this is all his at this point. He's thrown for five thousand two hundred fifty <laughs> yards this year. He leads the league with forty-one passing touchdowns. It only thrown 12 interceptions. He's completed 67.1% of his passes. Mm. All this coming from a guy who lost his wide receiver yep. number one yep. in the offseason. Mm-hmm. And he, he he's proved that he he's an all-time great mm-hmm. and he's having a heck of a season. He, I think he deserves the MVP honors. Yep, I, I got to agree with you. I think, uh, you know, those 5,000 passing yards, over 5,000 passing yards, 41 passing touchdowns. I mean, the Chiefs had – you know, was tied or, you know, up towards the top as far as, you know, overall record goes. They had the highest scoring offense in the NFL. And again, I, I think the big, you know, disclaimer, the big, you know, que- or ex- exclamation point is that, yeah, they lost Tyreek Hill in the mm-hmm. offseason. Everybody was like, oh, no, what, you know, was it Tyreek Hill? Was it Patrick Mahomes? You know, who who was the, you know, the better in that in that matchup? Um, and, and to say the least, they both had. Very right. good and, season. And yeah, so he, you know, Tyreek Hill. I can't Hill, say it was one or the other. Right, yeah. They both, you know, went their separate way. Or, you know, Mahomes stayed with the Chiefs and, you know, Tyreek Hill went, moved on to the Dolphins. But, you know, Tyreek Hill had a great season, you know, in, in Miami. So it's uh, – I think they're both just, you know, really elite or great mm-hmm. players. But, uh, you know, Patrick Mahomes, obviously, with a, a, a different uh, group of wide receivers, still excelling at a, at a high level. Yep. Uh, I think he – he brings it home. He he really showed himself. Yeah, like you said, right there before the playoffs, kind of making a playoff push. I, I think he takes home takes home the hardware here. Yeah. So, all right, moving over to uh, <clears throat> excuse me, we'll go to the sidelines here, and we'll talk about coach of the year. Um, I think there's a little bit of question of how many finalists. I only wrote down three of them. I think there's actually five of them that they could have could have picked from. Uh, I got Brian Dable from the from the Giants, Doug Peterson from the from Jacksonville. 
and then Kyle Shanahan from the 49ers uh, was kind of the the finalist that I that I saw. So as a result of you know picking between those those three, um, for me, I think it's got to be Doug Peterson from from the Jacksonville Jaguars. Um, Jacksonville won the AFC South title first time since 2017. Uh, previous to this, they had finished with four consecutive losing seasons. Um, and, you know, this year they won nine games compared to last year where they only won three games. Right. It actually was tied for the biggest improvement with the Detroit Lions uh, among, but it was the highest among teams with a brand new coach. Mm-hmm. So, you know, new coach, you don't, you know, not weren't expecting much or, you know, whatever, win, you know, a, a couple more games than you won last year. But that big jump of not only winning six more games, but they also made the playoffs and, right. you know, uh, won, won a game in the in the playoffs as well. So, I think, uh, yeah, Doug Peterson you know, deserves a lot of credit for that. Um, and I, I like Jacksonville's coach to, to take home the coach of the year. Yeah, I, I think all three candidates are, are very deserving here. But, you know, I, I got to go with the 49ers, Kyle Shanahan. And simply because of the adversity this team overcame this yeah. year, they lost their QB1 very early on in the season. Right. They bring back the guy who they ousted kind of <laughs> last year, didn't right. even right. think they wanted on their team. They brought him back. They kept winning. Right. He gets hurt. Mm-hmm. Then they bring in Mr. Irrelevant Brock right. Purdy, the guy last pick in the NFL draft, mm-hmm. and they, they they get better. Right. Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah exactly. I mean, they just, that, that, that's, that comes down to coaching. Mm-hmm. Uh, this guy did an amazing job. Right. I, I think – he did kind of do a bad coaching job in, in their in their last matchup, right. but that was due to circumstance. Right. I, I just think I, I think he probably could have tried to be a little more creative there right. when when right. his quarterbacks were gone. But other than that, this guy coached a heck of a season, mm-hmm. overcoming all the adversity he came. I know they started with a, a, a team that was a Super Bowl contender last year, so right. that, that's you, you don't get a lot of the love that way. Mm-hmm. But when when you look at all the stuff they overcame this year, right. I, I think that's enough yeah. to, to win this guy coach of the year. Right, absolutely. I don't, I don't think you look at any team and, and say, we went to our third string quarterback and we got better. better. You know, <laughs> I, I don't think that there's any team in the league that you can say that or that you would reliably trust your third string quarterback right. to lead you to what they, you know, were able to accomplish. And, you know, I, I'm sure, you know, obviously they made that midseason trade for Christian McCaffrey, which was another, mm-hmm. you know, jolt to that offense that, you know, I'm sure Kyle Shanahan had, you know, his, you know, hat in there, you know, had his uh, hands in, in trying to, you know, make sure that management was like, yeah, if this guy becomes available, right. let's get him. You know, I think it'd be a real spark to the to the offense. So, yeah, I, I, honestly, I think that one is, is tough because I think you could even make a case for, for Brian Dable with the mm. Giants. I mean, another first year head coach that, you know, won more games, I think, than most people were thinking, right. made the playoffs, won a game, you know, in the playoffs. So I think any one of those guys you could you could make a real strong case yeah. case for um so it's going to be i think that one's probably one of the toughest ones to to really to really nail down but mm. all right well then moving over um back to the players awards um we're going to go offensive player of the year uh, so looking at the list we got again Patrick Mahomes the QB from Kansas City uh Jalen Hurts the QB from Philadelphia and then the uh, Justin Jefferson, the wide receiver from Minnesota, and then Tyreek Hill, the wide receiver from the Miami Dolphins. Um, for me, this one is kind of a way for the NFL to give an MVP without giving it to a quarterback. Mm. The MVP, much like the Heisman, has become pretty much a QB award, if you will, right. where the offensive player, I think that they try to somewhat – make it different to where an offensive player feels like they somewhat are the MVP at the, at the same time, a non quarterback, um, you know, related position. And so for me, 
I think Justin Jefferson comes away with this with this award from from Minnesota. Um, you know, he had 128 catches, led the NFL uh, in receiving yards. Uh, he had nine total touchdowns, uh, including one rushing touchdown. Uh, he also threw two passes for 34 yards at some point during the year. And one a stat that really sticks out to me. He didn't fumble once the entire season. That that's impressive. pretty impressive. Yeah. Uh, you know, for as much volume of catches and as much time as he's had the ball in his hands, that that could easily be you know going going the opposite way. But yeah, to not fumble it, not cause you know a turnover for for your team, I, I think that speaks speaks volumes. And I, I think Justin Jefferson pull, go, gets this award and, and yeah. takes home offensive player of the year. Yeah, you know, I, I agree with everything you say, and I, I, I think Justin Jefferson probably is going to win this award, but I just don't see how you could be the MVP of the league mm-hmm. and not be the offensive player of the year. So for, right. for that reason alone, I, I'm picking Patrick Mahomes. Right. But clean but slate I, there. I, yeah. I, I agree. That yeah. It's going to be Justin Jefferson because mm-hmm. they, they don't like to give the MVP and offensive player of the year award to the same guy. Right, yeah, or just, you know, try to make it a, a non-QB award so that, you know – right offensive players that you know aren't qbs feel like they you know are contributing or you yeah. know doing something Big that their the that their seasons aren't you know for a waste or you know for a loss so um but yeah i, I think that's the way that you know the nfl can kind of make up for yeah. it if you will um all right well then moving over to the other side of the ball uh defensive player of the year we got uh nick bosa the defensive end from the san francisco 49ers uh chris jones the defensive tackle from the kansas city chiefs and then uh, finally wrapping it up, we got Micah Parsons, kind of a hybrid defensive end mm-hmm. linebacker for the for the Dallas Cowboys. Uh, for me, I, I like uh, Nick Nick Bosa to take this award. I think Parsons, I think Parsons and Nick Bosa, it's kind of a, a very close, you know, one two. Mm-hmm. Um, for me, I think it comes down to over the last ten regular season games. I think is where Nick Bosa kind of maybe separated himself from from Micah Parsons. 31 QB hits, 12 tackles for loss, and 11 and a half sacks in the last 10 games of the of the regular season. You look at Parsons, you know, kind of stats in that same, you know, same 10 game span. Um, only 13 QB hits, five tackles for loss, and only five and a half sacks. Mm-hmm. Now you could probably look at the schedules and go into, you know, all you know, 49ers played worse opponents or Dallas played tougher opponents. Yeah, you know, what injury too? Because right. uh, Parsons was injured for a large part. He was playing right. through injury, right? Exactly. So I think you know that plays you know some some role in it, but I think overall, um, you know, Bosa led the league in not you know not only sacks but QB hits and just total pressures of the QB. Right. So a lot of those you know categories that even though they may not necessarily show up on the stat sheet. Bosa still led or, you know, had a very big impact on a defense that was number one in the, in, in the Mm -hmm. league. But I truly think he was the best player on the number one defense in the, in the league. So I think Nick Bosa takes home this, this defensive player of the year Um, has been, you know, off and on injured. I think he finally had a full complete season. We got to see what he was able to do with the, with the full season. Yeah. These Bosa brothers have been nothing but phenomenal in the NFL. Both, Mm -hmm. both, both teams have been happy to have, have them in a, I, I agree. Nick Bosa is going to end up taking home this award. 18 and a half sacks, 48 quarterback hits, 19 tackles for loss on the season. Mm-hmm. Just all amazing numbers. Right. I do think Micah Parsons is, is the more dynamic and kind of exciting to watch player right. game. Because you, you can line him up anywhere. anywhere right. yeah. <clears throat> but but I, I think this award is, is definitely Nick Bosa's to take home. All right. Well, then moving back over the offensive side of the ball, but looking at the first year, first year, guys, we got offensive rookie of the year. Um, and a guy that we just talked about with with Kyle Shanahan, Brock Purdy, you know, only played you know 
a handful of games in the regular season, but in the running for rookie of the year, the QB from San Francisco, uh, you got Kenneth Walker, the third, the running back from Seattle. And then uh, finally you got Garrett Wilson, the wide receiver from the New York jets. And for me, I like Garrett Wilson to take home this award and not just because I'm a Jets fan, but I, I think he truly deserves this one. Um, and, and I think it comes down, you can look at the stats, you can look at the numbers, but the Jets had four different quarterbacks play mm-hmm. this year and he still went over a thousand yards as a rookie, uh, caught almost nearly a hundred, you know, hundred catches. I, I think this guy was electric, well worth the pick, you know, spot on. It really rejuvenated that offense as a rookie and really made a, a strong impact in a wide receiver, you know, group in the Jets that somewhat was bunched up and, you know, we're, we're kind of questioning how much of an impact was he going to have. I mean, we right. knew what he did at Ohio State and the impact he had there. But, you know, the Jets did have, you know, a couple of receivers, you know, well-known, you know, receivers or, you know, bigger names. But didn't matter. This guy, this guy made an impact. Didn't matter who was back there slinging the pigskin. He, he was catching passes, making an impact in, in – clutch situations i like garrett wilson to take home the offensive rookie of the year yep we're, we're right on the same page again i agree garrett wilson 83 catches 1103 yards four touchdowns he led all rookies in yards and in catches mm-hmm. and was third for all rookies and touchdowns right the guy did it all and and, and like you said the, the the jets weren't really going anywhere last year mm-hmm. and they were in the hunt to to be in the playoff race right most, most of the season long mm-hmm. I, I think a lot of it had to do with having that dynamic wide receiver out there to really change the game for them yeah absolutely and I, I think this would be Purdy's award to lose had he been the quarterback the entire the season yep. and did what he did all year long absolutely but yep. I, I think not having that full body of work it <clears throat> yeah. cost him the award here. yeah absolutely well then moving over to the back over the other side of the ball but we're going to stick with the first year guys we got defensive rookie of the year uh between uh Ahmad Sauce Gardner again with the cornerback out of the New York with the New York Jets uh, Aiden Hutchison, the defensive end from the Detroit Lions, and Tariq Woolen, the cornerback from Seattle, the Seattle Seahawks. For me, it's it's all of these are you know good guys or you know possible winners. Um, especially the you know Tariq Woolen was actually a fifth round pick. Mm. So you know to say that most Re- of the time return pick, on investment, here right? Yeah, you're you're you know pick a guy that that late or whatever. You're almost questioning whether or not he's even going to make the team right. for one. And then, yeah, not only did the guy, you know, make the team and whatever, but he had a huge impact so much that, you know, he's up for this award uh, for, for defensive rookie of the year. But, and again, you know, as much as my heart would like to see Aiden Hutchison being a Michigan guy, you know, take home the award. I think it's a clean sweep with, with the Jets yeah. guys here. I think sauce Gardner. Makes, well, your heart still gets it. Cause that's your NFL. Right. Team. Yeah. That's, that's my NFL <laughs> team. So, you know, it, it's, it's uh yeah, but I think, Hands down, the Jets hit it nail on the head here with with this with this draft class. Um, these guys, you know, between Garrett Wilson and, and Gardner, are going to make you know impact mm-hmm. for that team over the next couple of years. Um, Gardner, especially on that defense, being somewhat of a lockdown corner, we knew what he could do in college. Saw you know his lockdown abilities in college, uh, but you know, was that going to translate to the NFL against you know tougher competition where mm-hmm. he didn't you know necessarily maybe see as much tough competition at Cincinnati? Uh, in, in college, but this guy, I mean, they threw him to the wolves from day one and, and he stepped up. I mean, opposing quarterbacks only had a 53% completion rate when he was the corner um, and he led the league in pass breakups with 20 um, made the pro bowl as a rookie. I mean, this guy, yeah, was, was electric as, as a rookie corner, um, which I, in my opinion is probably the toughest position in the NFL, not mm-hmm. only to try to adjust from college to the NFL, but because, 
the NFL tends to favor offense so much. It, it, it's, it's a passing league. Yeah, it's, it's so tough to, you know, play defense consistently and shut down these wide receivers, QB combos consistently without drawing so many flags, so many penalties, you know, just letting people, you know, get by you, stuff like that, because you're trying to avoid a penalty. I think, yeah, Gardner did a, a very phenomenal job in his rookie year. Obviously want to continue to see what he can do, you know, going forward. But first year, uh, you know, hands down was was a great, great player, great asset for the Jets. Yeah, I'm, I'm with you 100% here again. Uh, I'm going with Sauce Gardner from the Jets. You know, this guy came into the league talking about he thought he was going to be good, you know. Right. So he, he not only talked the talk, he walked the walk. Because right. there's a lot of times these guys come in talking, these NFL guys shut them up real fast. Right, yeah. But he, you he, know what? He led the league in passes defended this year. Mm-hmm. He had 20 passes defended, right. two INTs, 75 yeah. tackles. Right. The guy just played phenomenal mm-hmm. all year long. He's yep. going to be a shutdown corner for a while to come. Right. He, he definitely deserves this award. Yeah. Re- reminiscent of, you know, uh, another corner, you know, shutdown corner that the Jets used to have in, in, in Darrell Revis, you know, mm-hmm. Revis Island there, uh, who's, you know, in the running to potentially make the Hall of Fame. So we'll see if that, you know, see how that plays out, um, which, uh, yeah, speaking of the Hall of Fame, they'll actually make the announcements for who made the Hall of Fame, I think, as well at, at this award show. So that'll be, you know, pretty interesting. We talked about that, you know, on a show a couple couple weeks back or, you know, a month or so ago. So we'll see uh, who's getting their, you know, getting that gold jacket or getting, you know, their name called to, to be in, uh, um, in Canton. So, all right, well, sticking with the NFL and talking about the, the big game, baby, you know, it's Super Bowl Sunday time, um, you know. Second, you know, always the second Sunday in, in February, uh, Super Bowl 57. And we got two, probably the best teams, you know, the, the best teams. Number one versus number one. Right, going against. 14 and three. Right, going against each other. Um, that game's, uh, you know, like I said, Sunday, 6.30 p.m. Eastern time over on Fox. Currently, Vegas has the Eagles favored by one and a half. Uh, so at this point, it's it's somewhat of a, of a toss up. Vegas is having a real tough time deciding who they think is going to come out on top in this one. I, I think this is going to be. Uh, uh, I'm hoping it's going to be a great game because on yeah. paper it looks like it it's going. Be, it's yeah. going to be, um, you know. And and we we talked a little bit about it before before the show. It's really going to come down to who's the healthiest team coming into this right. game. And you would say right now that that's that's the Eagles right now because obviously Mahomes. Yeah, he played great last week or you know a couple of weeks ago against against the Bengals. But he's still dealing with that high ankle sprain. It's not like that's not an injury not that just away. just heals right. overnight, or you know, even in a couple of weeks, it doesn't heal. Right. You, you need more more time than that. Um, in that Cincinnati game, Kansas City banged up. You know, a lot of receivers banged up in this one. Um, so yeah, it's going to be come down to health. Uh, I think Philadelphia is getting more healthy. I I still don't think that Jalen Hurts will be a hundred percent in this game, but you know, he's shown throughout these playoffs. It doesn't matter. He he's been electric right. no matter what. Uh, so it's 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 gonna be a great game, Matt. Matt, what do you what do you think? Yeah, like you said, these two teams on paper they're very similar, but I have to go with the team that's slightly better on defense, and that leans toward the Eagles. They've got sixty nine sacks on the season compared to fifty five for Kansas City, <clears throat> seventeen interception on the season, eleven for Kansas City. You know, that, that defense is a get-after-you defense. They're going to come after Mahomes all game long. Mm-hmm. If Mahomes is even a little bit hobbled and right. slowed down. You know, that, that's a half a second they get to him instead mm-hmm. of him making a miracle pass that he can right, typically right. make. And mm-hmm. if, that, if that defense is on Mahomes and, and, and gives him fits all day long, it, it's, it's going to be hard for them to overcome. Mm-hmm. I, I like the Eagles. I, I do think it's going to be close, though. I think it's going to be a heck of a match. <clears throat> yeah, absolutely. I think I think for me it is 
it is looking at the defenses. Um, you know, <clears throat> obviously the Eagles defense has been electric all year. The Chiefs defense, not not great or not one of the better defenses in the league, but they do enough to, you know, help their offense out and get some stops, some key stops when they need to. Um, the problem for me is that is the Chiefs running defense. Mm-hmm. And we know what the Eagles like to do when it comes offense. They they basically like to run to set up that to set up the pass. Right. And so they like to get that running game going. They have a handful of running backs that they can throw out there that are all capable of getting 100-plus yards a game. And then it, when you think you'd stop their running backs, then their QB hits you with a long right. you know, a long run. you got to look out for him in the backfield as well. Um, obviously going to be a lot more mobile, in my you know, opinion, than, than Patrick Mahomes you know, dealing with that injury. Uh, and I think it's just a different dynamic that this – that this Chiefs team hasn't, you know, hasn't seen or, you know, a, a wrinkle that this defense is going to have to deal with. Um, and, but, but on, you know, the flip side, the Eagles defense, they're one of the best passing defenses, you know, in mm-hmm. the league. They, they give up the fewest yards per game when it comes to the pass. Um, obviously, they've never seen Patrick Mahomes or didn't see him in the regular season. So and they haven't seen the Travis Kelsey. Either. Right. Yeah. It, it, it's obviously. Again, the the Chiefs have a bunch of different weapons. Yeah, it may not be the the Tyreek Hill or you know whatever. They still got Kelsey, a big target there in the middle, and a, and a handful of other receivers that that can all contribute and make significant contributions. So you you can't just kind of key in on one guy right. because others can can make you know contributions that that are gonna gonna hurt you. So the Eagles are gonna you know that that secondary definitely is gonna be tested. Um, but I but I have to agree with you, Matt. I, I think the Eagles come out ever so slightly in this, in this game, uh, you know, I'm, we, we, we talked about it. Game's going to be out in Arizona um, playing in the, in the Cardinal stadium. So, I mean, the chiefs obviously a little bit closer, you know, closer drive or, you know, whatever, obviously than than the Eagles somewhat happened to come across, across the country to, to make the trip. But I, I don't think that really either one is going to really have kind of the home field or home crowd mm-hmm. advantage. So, but I, I like the Eagles. I think that ground game has been electric in this playoffs. Yeah. The, the the only thing that does kind of scare me is the Eagles really haven't been tested in these right. playoffs. The Chiefs have, I mean, they've, they've run through a tough AFC to get where they are Absolutely. today. That That's the only thing that scares me with the Eagles is like, if the what Chiefs, are they going to do when they hit that? Yeah, adversity? if the Chiefs come out and they, I mean, they they very well capable are of hitting you in two, with two touchdowns or being up by 14 in the first five minutes of the game or, you know, first 10 minutes of the game. And yes, that's, that's my only worry with the Eagles is how do they deal with that? You know, in a, in a scenario where they haven't really had that in the playoffs so far, they've, they've, they've kind of dominated from the start. So I I expect the Eagles get off to a fast start. The chiefs kind of somewhat claw their way back into Mm -hmm. it as they, you know, are, are capable of doing, I think again, yeah, the Eagles win a very, very tight, tight battle, bring home a super bowl back to back to Philly. Um, you know, and, and yeah, probably sour, you know, put a sour taste in, in Mahomes, you know, mm. season, um, like I said, battling through those injuries and kind of the adversity that they've somewhat faced with, you know, in the off season with losing Tyreek right. Hill, you know, and everything like that. But yeah, I think, uh, Philadelphia comes, comes home with the championship, brings home a, a Super Bowl back to, back to Philly. Um, but I think this is going to be a, a, a great, a great matchup. Um, and if nothing else. If you don't like football, at least tune in to watch the, the commercials <laughs> and the halftime, the halftime show. show. You know, Rihanna is going to be performing. Obviously, over the last couple of years, it's it's been more than just one performer. Right. So 
I fully expect her to bring in, you know, several other, you know, well-known artists onto the, onto the stage and, you know, whatever, get them involved. Um, so yeah, just for the atmosphere, the entertainment value, still tune into the game, even if you, you could really care less about football or <laughs> either two of these teams playing. So, all right, well, that's our, that's our show for the night. We uh, appreciate you listening to Fired Up with your hosts, Colton Cal, Matt Cordes. We uh, hope you enjoyed our episode. And, you know, if you want to hear other topics for future episodes or, you know, you just got a burning sports question you want to hear us talk about on the show, feel free to reach out to us on our different social medias. We have an Instagram. Um, our handle is firedup underscore podcast. Or you can find us over on Facebook at Fired Up, comma, Sports Podcast. And next week we are hitting the uh, NBA trade deadline. Yep. We know a lot of big moves have oh, already yeah. happened. A lot, of, be a lot of fireworks in the week. NBA. So, yeah, we're definitely going to touch on that next week. Um, and as always, you can head over to our website at www.firedup1.podbean.com. You can find some of our uh, all, all of our past episodes and just a little bit of information about the show. And uh, you can find this episode and all of our past episodes on pretty much any podcast pl- platform you can think of. Apple, Google, Spotify, Pandora. So anywhere we can listen to a podcast, you can find our show. So appreciate you all listening. And as always, stay, stay fired, fired up. up.